Welcome to this video Bible class brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. I'm Warren Berkeley. You can see from the slide where we are in our continuing study of 1 Timothy. Our interest is to read the text, study the passage, and make good applications from God's Word for us today. Now, you remember when we studied the passages earlier about elders and deacons, primary application was made to men who serve in those positions or men who are being considered for those positions. Yet we discovered in those passages valuable statements of good character, which every Christian ought to have. It is like that in this passage where Paul is writing to an evangelist, a local preacher in Ephesus. And the primary application is to the evangelist, to Timothy and others who would do that work. Yet, I say again, there are traits of character and there are imperatives here every Christian should attend to. 1 Timothy 4 11 through 16. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that you may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I think I heard myself misread a part of verse 15. So I want to go back and make certain I have it right. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. That's 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 11 through 16, and that's the passage open for our study in this video class. It is generally argued that the imperative in verse 11 is connected to the previous paragraph, that warning, brethren, about apostasy and deception is that which should be commanded and taught. It is a grammatical question that we may not objectively solve, but really, everything Paul wrote to Timothy was to be repeated. Every command included every instruction passed on to the people. So connecting verse 11 with the previous text, or what comes after, is not really the subject of a significant debate. To Timothy, Paul said, let no one despise you for your youth. Young preachers may misunderstand this. I believe in my earlier years, 
I must admit I misunderstood this. This statement is not intended to be like a bullet the young preacher carries in his pocket, and should anyone speak against his youth, he takes out that bullet and fires it. No, that's just not it. This is not a bullet for the young preacher to fire at others. Paul is telling Timothy to live in such a manner that he reduces the occurrence of any accusations against his youth. Let me explain further. If a young preacher thinks he is a big shot, that he has arrived, and that he should be celebrated and applauded and respected, and should anyone question his experience, he quotes this passage. He's missed it. This is directed to Timothy and to young preachers. You don't get people to respect you by telling them they must. People will respect you and your work to whatever extent you are engaged in all the good dimensions of thought and conduct in keeping with the New Testament description of good character and good preaching. The preacher is to give nobody any cause to despise his youth, and that imperative is directed to that preacher, Timothy, and to all of us who take up this work. Here's how young preachers and all preachers and all Christians can prevent accusations of immaturity. Set the believers an example. No matter your age, location, talent, knowledge, resume, male, female, preacher, elder, deacon, you make an impression on people that is either good or not. Preachers may be more visible, but all of us make an impression on people. Think about how that plays out, not just for preachers. In the words you speak, in the things you do, in your interaction with people, in who you associate with, your manner, your temper, your patience or lack of patience, your level of zeal for the things of God, your knowledge, your attendance, your management of your money, your family. I could go on and on. The point is, if you don't want to hear accusations that you are immature, set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Someone told me once, I never do any evangelism. And I said, oh, yes, you do. It may not be direct teaching. You may be lax in that form of evangelism, but through your conduct and influence and how you interact with people. We teach, we preach every day. There is, one man said, the sermons of your life that you deliver every day. The sermons of your life that you deliver every day. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Paul said, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, 
to exhortation, to teaching. This is a case where I believe sequence holds some importance. First, read to the people from Scripture. Then exhort and teach them. I make this my practice, and I urge young preachers to do this. Within the first few minutes after you stand up to teach or preach, get your Bible open Ask the people to open their Bibles and read what God has said. And then let all of your exhortation and teaching come from and originate in what you have read. Let me repeat that. The first few minutes you stand up in the pulpit, get your Bible open, ask the people to open their Bibles, read what God has said, and then let all the exhortation and all the teaching all the application come from that trusted source that you read God's word. Be certain all exhortation and teaching is connected to and based on the public reading of scripture. Would you also let me add, reading scripture in public ought to be done every time we meet. And it ought to be done well. The best the reader is able to do. Read the text before you get up. Know what it means. Take your time. Read distinctly with appropriate passion and let the people hear God's word. It is one of the acts of worship, I believe, the public reading of scripture. We'll be at verse 14. It says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. From this we conclude, Timothy had special abilities given to him by the Holy Spirit through the hands of elders. Now, this belongs in the category of those supernatural powers God caused as the gospel was first being preached, involving apostles, miracles, and men like Timothy, Mark, and Luke, and others who received some special gift or ability to be used in the Lord's work in those early days as the gospel was first being circulated and written and compiled. I have no such super natural power. I am not an apostle, are you? But here's the application we can draw from this. Whatever we have that is useful in the business of the kingdom, we should use it with all our might, faithfully, and without neglect. The underlying concept in this verse is stewardship, using what you have for the furtherance of the gospel and the edification of the saints. We do not all have the same capacities, the same opportunities or gifts, but every one of us should use what we have in good ways to advance the cause of Christ. Verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. 
I want to talk about progress. The Bible teaches this is not just something one should see in preachers. Growth, improvement, progress should be manifest in the lives of every person from baptism until death. We ought to be learning more and doing more and thinking better and conquering our demons and adjusting our attitudes and maturing in the faith, making progress in pursuit of excellence in every aspect of our service to God. If you made progress earlier in your life, but you now seem to be leveling off or on a downturn, maybe some decline in your zeal for God, an alarm needs to go off. When you read the Bible and see what God expects of his people, progress is there. Progress is there. You with me? Paul to Timothy, verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. What I'm going to say may seem extremely elementary, but stay with me. This says to Timothy and to us, keep a close watch on yourself. I am charged in this passage to watch Warren, myself. Whatever may be said about watching others or taking the pulse of the brotherhood or keeping abreast of what's happening in the religious world, right here in this verse, keep a close watch on yourself. There are preachers who can tell you what's happening among brethren in every region of the country. They must get up every day and get reports and gather information, I guess. You can name any preacher and they can give you an instant background check and then pronounce that he is sound or not. They read blogs with a critical eye. They listen to audio sermon recordings to see if a man has made a mistake or if he's off base. They use Facebook as their tool to keep track and watch and monitor they seem to know everything about everybody, and they watch everybody but themselves. They are not acquainted with themselves. Self-examination uh, self just doesn't happen with these guys. They are up to speed on everybody, but they don't look in the mirror. Their own faith is not nourished. Their sins wax worse and worse. Their weaknesses are covered up by their arrogance and their interest in finding the splinter in their brother's eyes. This says, keep a close watch on yourself. There is a book published several years ago called Letters to Young Preachers, written by older preachers. And in the chapter written by Paul Earnhardt, he said, It is a great temptation to preachers to take their preaching as a surrogate for their own spiritual growth and development. It is a well-known fact that one can issue great spiritual challenges to others 
without attempting to lift them with one finger. Luke eleven forty six. Preachers can preach without listening to or applying their preaching to themselves. This is no doubt the reason for Paul's oft-repeated exhortation for those who teach to first take a careful look within. It is possible for evangelists to become skilled word merchants who know how to speak effectively but make no effort to live up to their own message. It is a grave kind of hypocrisy. Even Paul himself, with all the devotion with which his life was characterized, wrote with concern, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. 1 Corinthians 9.27. So here we are in 1 Timothy 4.16. And on the teaching, take heed to yourself and to what you teach. Remember from verse 13, you read scripture and then you exhort and teach based on that heavenly source. How are you living? That's one question. Now here's another. What are you teaching? How are you teaching? Are you teaching the whole counsel of God? Are you challenging people to use the word, apply the word, grow in the word? Is there prayer and planning that goes into your work? Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. Both by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is persistence that has purpose. The purpose is for all of us to be saved, for all who hear us to be saved. The English Standard Version uses the word persist, and this is directed to young evangelist Timothy in person here, who is charged to deliver the word to others as he accepts the delivery of the word to himself. The opposite of persistence is transience. You do something briefly and then pause or quit. You set yourself to a task temporarily. Persistence is the disciplinary choice of heart to start something valuable and then continue on with it. Calvin Coolidge said, nothing in the world can take place or can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. And I will add, it will solve the problems of the human race because of Jesus Christ crucified 
and raised from the dead. Next time, we'll be in 1 Timothy 5. Thank you for being a part of this study.